This is your friendly neighborhood author, Jonathan, and you are listening to Season 4 of the Floor Rejects Podcast, The Wells House Phenomenon. Floor Rejects podcast. Last week, we left off with Warren, uh, Thomas, and Grandpa Barty getting to know each other a little bit better, um, posthumously, of course, because Grandpa Barty is dead. Um, And we got some more explanation as just how that's possible. Um, We had some planning going on. Um, I won't give away too much if you haven't listened to it. I'd go back and listen to that before you listen to this. But without further ado from that intro, let's get into chapter 23, 4, whatever chapter it is. Let's get into it. Chapter 24, Camera. The next night, Bartholomew did not reappear. Thomas, in their nighttime rendezvous, explained that it was a lot of energy for the man to manifest. He also filled Warren in on the way in which the two of them came to meet. When I spotted you months ago during a dream up on the staircase, the night that your grandfather threw you over the stairs, I knew something was up. I was the only one to see his phantom form, and I didn't say anything to my mother. I was already doubting my allegiance, and then, the night I tried to warn you about the family, I heard you talking to your grandfather in the trailer. I didn't say anything, but I recognized his voice, and he heard me outside. He found me after the incident with your jeep, when I hid out in the forest away from all of you, and he talked to me. He listened, and I explained it all to him. He was more in the dark than you were, mostly just scared of us. So I put him in the know, and we started to look for you in tandem, but he didn't have the energy often to break through the void and through the veil around you until it dropped. That's why he would always look like a black mask to you, the man explained, perched cross-legged across from Warren in the dated old trailer. Warren was curious how his grandfather's trust had been bought, and Thomas smiled. He only started to trust me as he watched me get weaker and weaker the farther I got from you. There were times when you would come out to look for me, and I would actually run from you. And your grandfather was watching, observing, as I did my best to keep you and I safe. He kept me company while I slept out in the woods with my wounds festering and my bones broken. That was when he trusted me. Thomas lays out. Warren was still further curious. How did he die? Did Lila kill him? Warren asks, and Thomas sighs. No. He had a heart attack or something one night. He was always staying out here, and for days he wouldn't come in the house. At first we didn't think anything of it, but on the third day after he died, that's when the symptoms started. We were degrading, and my mother suddenly was so weak she couldn't hold up the facade. So I went out to check him. I found him. He'd gone in his sleep, we guess. So we sent out messages to your family, buried him in the graveyard, and waited. We were so weak when you showed up, we almost couldn't pull our human forms together at first. Luckily, you weren't that focused on us, Thomas says. And what happened to him when I break the pack? Will he still be here? Warren asks, and Thomas heaves a heavy sigh. He will probably fade away. I don't know, though, Thomas says, and Warren begins to shake, feeling guilt and panic rise in his throat. I... I can't do that to him, he whispers. You can. He knows. He knows that his fate is unknown. But I know. He'll be at peace. It's not like he's going to hell, 
Thomas consoles, but Warren can feel his anxiety get worse, and he tries to make another excuse. Warren, he's not... Hell doesn't exist like you think it does. People don't go there. They can't. He'll likely just fade away to nothing, Thomas explains. Could he go to heaven? Warren asks innocently, like a child learning Santa Claus wasn't real. And Thomas smiles a sad smile. No, Warren. He can't go somewhere that doesn't exist, Thomas says. Warren, dumbfounded, sits and silently processes this, his eyes darting back and forth randomly. He'd never been a religious person, but he always thought that people went somewhere. The thought of his grandfather, who had appeared to him after death, disappearing again, it brought him a new sense of grief. It's just, it's not a place people go, Warren. I'm, I'm sorry. As far as I know, when you die, and you aren't trapped in a magical mini-world, you disappear. He's the first person I've ever seen come back, Thomas continues. And I'm going to sentence him to oblivion? No way. Not happening. Warren insists, pacing the length of the trailer. Warren, it's how it works. Don't don't worry. I, I, I don't think it hurts. It really just seems to be peace, Thomas reassures, standing and grabbing Warren by his crossed arms. Thomas, I just got him back. He's the only family I cared about when he was alive. Between losing him and you, I, I can't. Warren says, his voice wavering as Thomas draws closer, placing a hand on Warren's fluttering chest. Don't worry. I will talk to him, and we'll try to think of a solution, Thomas says, and his chest brushes Warren's. I just... I wanted freedom, but I think that maybe I'm not meant to have it. I don't even want to condemn someone I'm related to that I don't like, let, let alone do it to him a second time. Or you. Warren murmurs. Thomas's face draws near his, his eyes flickering intensely. Don't worry, he says, and their lips meet. At first, Warren is perturbed, but as the demon pulls him closer, his nose whistling quietly as he inhales, Warren melts, his body involuntarily slacking as Thomas gathers him close. He slows, his body taking stock of the emotions he feels, namely relief, safety, calm. None of those things did he feel at any other time. He knew during the day he felt those things for Edward, but that was completely fake, and he was a different person the moment the lights went out. He sags, slumped against the counter of the kitchenette as Thomas's light touches landed his waist. Warren was tired. He was in a constant state of tension and anxiety, even when he didn't know it. Thomas pulls back after a few moments, his eyes flickering blue and white. Why? You couldn't do this before, and your life literally depends on it. Warren asks softly against Thomas's hot-to-the-touch neck. Thomas laughs softly. I've wanted to kiss you for a long time, Warren, but I couldn't do it under any pretense. I told you how much it meant just to be acknowledged, but to be included, to be seen as a person, it's never happened to me before. Even your grandfather looked through me. Everyone has but you, Thomas says. Warren smiles. I hate that I don't know that during the day, that I'm under their spell. I like you, Thomas. You're the same during the day and at night, Warren says, leaning back and looking up at him. The demon smiles, his human form shimmering in the warm room. The world begins to rumble, the black smoke swirling as the two people stood there holding each other, no untoward intentions, no lie between them, just a craving to be near someone who cared as much as they did as the world went black. 
The next morning when Warren awoke, he was alone in his bed. He grunts in displeasure as he finds the other side of the bed already made. At breakfast, only Thomas attends, his mood a bit brighter without his brother around. He makes pleasant conversation with Warren and ignores his mother's strangely aggressive mood. She leaves as soon as Warren is fed, and Warren asks Thomas if he knew where Edward was. No idea. I'm sure he's working on some project, Thomas says, limping to the sink, blocking Warren's attempts to help him. Warren looks for Edward sporadically through the day, lounging in between smoking and humming to himself as he wandered about the property, looking for Edward, who didn't seem to want to be found. At the dinner, he comes in late, covered in dirt and grumpy. Warren tries to engage him, but finds that the entire dinner was quiet, awkward, and it wasn't until the lovers retired to his suite that he understood. I'm sorry I was so absent today, Edward says, the moment they walk through the door. Thomas smiles. I was worried you were mad at me. Warren says, and Edward chuckles. No, but I need to tell you something. I need you to remember something. Edward says, placing a hand on Warren's temple sweetly. Warren leans in for a moment before the memories start to flood in, his mind filling with the truth behind the daytime persona. Warren staggers back, scared immediately, and Edward steps away, hands up in a sign of peace. Warren, I need to talk to you. Edward says, and when Warren tries to open the door, it clicks as Edward waves a hand. I just need to talk to you, Warren, please, Edward says in a hushed tone. Let me out, Edward. It's not time. Not yet. It's not. Thomas! Warren shouts, banging on the door. Edward rushes him, silencing him with a hand over his mouth. Don't, Warren. I'm trying to help you. Edward whispers harshly into Warren's ear. He wrestles away, frightened. What? He asks shortly. You need to know I'm on your side, Edward says. Yeah, right. Warren scoffs, now annoyed on top of all of his other emotions. I swear, I've been playing along, but I need to tell you the truth, Edward says, and Warren crosses his arms. Listen, I don't want to hurt you, Warren. I just, I love you, really, he says, and Warren laughs angrily. Edward steps closer. Warren steps back. My mother wants me to trap you. She won't shift herself, so she's requiring me to help. I don't want to. It's just what we have to do as her children, Edward says. Warren can feel himself softening involuntarily. When Edward steps forward again, his eyes burning intensely, Warren doesn't back up. Why? Why wouldn't you tell me? Warren asks, his body tightening back as he tries to regain his senses. I couldn't. Not until I was sure. Edward explains. Sure of what? Warren asks. Sure that you were the one, Edward says. The one to what? The one to break the cycle, he whispers. What cycle? What are you talking about? Warren's confused now, unsure why Thomas hadn't said anything. There's been talk for centuries in our community, rumors that there was a way to break the deals we make, to stop the cycle, but no one's ever figured it out. It's extremely rare for anyone to want to break the deals anyway, but our people, the ones less than thrilled with the idea of sucking the life out of humanity, we've always hoped to find the loophole, Edward says. Warren cannot believe his ears. So you think I'm this mysterious person? Why would you? Warren asks. You... do you think I'm stupid? I know you have to be planning something with Thomas. I know it, so just tell me. Edward says, his tone almost giddy and excited. 
No, Edward, I know you're lying. You have to be. Warren's insistent, trying to keep his resolve up, trying to remember all the horrible things he'd watched Edward do. The man gets down on his knees, only barely shorter than Warren. Warren, why would I lie now? You only have a few days left, and you'll be left to my mother. I just need to know what you're planning so I can help. Edward says. Warren shrugs. I don't know, but I know I don't trust you. Warren admits, and Edward grimaces, nodding his head sadly. I know, but Warren Thomas, he won't know about this. You shouldn't confuse him. He's too young. Edward says, and Warren hears the door unclick behind him. Seriously? You expect me to believe that? He asks incredulously. Yeah, you have to. I need to know how to get you out. I want to come with you. Edward says, getting back up, reaching out to pull Warren close, but he shrugs away, opening the door and running out with a flourish into the house, skittering through the dark hallways on his way out to the barn. Just as his brain begins to fade, his memories running out of his head like water from a faucet until he finds himself down on the floor, confused as to how he got there, and no memory of the conversation he just had. Warren? Lila asks as she rounds a corner. Oh, uh, hi, Lila. He says confusedly. She smiles. Are you okay? She asks, and he nods after a moment getting up. Yeah, just a little confused, I guess, Warren says. Let's get you back to bed then. You must be tired. Edward's deep voice reverberates from behind him. Warren smiles, Edward's massive hands clamping down on his shoulders, and he's steered back to his room, small, delicate kisses placed on his back and shoulders the whole way in. Okay, what do I like about this chapter? I like the pacing of this chapter. I also, I'm kind of into these larger chunks of dialogue that I'm using to just get the story going, get it moving, um, get the ideas out there that we need to get out there quickly as we're kind of drawing the story to a close, um, especially that beginning part that kind of opens up with a monologue a little bit. I know that it's, it's not like we're reading Shakespeare, but it is kind of a monologue that we're opening up to and listening to that explains a bunch and then in the process kind of furthers the story. Um, I do really like that. I also like this twist that I just came up with that Edward is suddenly trying to be on Warren's side. Originally, I wasn't planning on that, but I do think it's an interesting twist in the third, the final act, to make part of the enemy your friend, or at least your enemy trying to become your friend and you don't know if you can trust them or not. Um, the other thing that I do really like is this idea that Warren is caught between two brothers. He's two different people. He's caught between a brother for each person. Um, and while one of them is considered the real Warren, maybe, maybe he decides he wants to just be the fake Warren. We just don't know. Um, but I really like this chapter. I'm going to be honest with you. I have been feeling a lot of um, depression lately about what I make. Um, and how I kind of just feel like maybe what I make is not that good. And it's to the point where I'm like not excited to write anymore, um, or do anything. Cause I feel like no matter what I do, even though I'm doing it for me, it feels like at some point I want to be able to share it with people. And it feels like... <laughs> it's not good enough, if that makes sense. Um, and so I'm trying to spice up what I'm writing to kind of reinvigorate myself and feel like, yes, I have 
five listeners over the past year and a half. But you're loyal listeners, I feel like, and I'm appreciative of that. And while there may not be many of us, at least we're here. Um, but it's been tough the last, I'd say the last couple months, um, between everything else that's going on in my life. But it's been kind of hard for me to write much of anything and feel inspired by it and feel like I'm doing something that I love because even if I'm not looking for validation, seeing so many other people getting validation for things that they make that are beautiful, but that I know that when you create something, you as the creator feel like everything you make is garbage and to see so many other people receive the accolades and and the appreciation and to feel like I do all this thinking that I'm making something that might speak to someone else and then it feels like it doesn't. I don't know. I always say I feel like I'm screaming into the void, but especially lately, I feel like I've been screaming into the void. So to try and counteract that, I'm throwing as much at myself as I can as far as challenging myself in how I write, um, what I'm writing, like adding twists that I wasn't planning on adding into the story just to see if I can get everything to work out. Um, it's not a particularly challenging or complicated twist. It's probably got a pretty predictable ending, but you know, it's what I'm trying to do to keep myself going. Um, it's just, it's a little bit tough, you know, I want to find other people out there who are interested in the same sort of inversion, the same sort of equalization of the world that I'm interested in, in my particular field of interest, which is queer erotica in any form, but like written erotica is something you don't see a lot of mainstream queer versions coming out. And that's kind of, I, th I thought, a novel idea or <laughs> I thought it was an idea that more people would kind of latch on to. Um, and then I might get to meet other people who kind of feel the same way and be able to bounce ideas off of them. And it kind of feels like I, I don't know, like maybe I'm not doing it well enough that people, maybe people only feel like they have critiques or, or areas of improvement for me. And so they don't reach out and that's fine. I get it. Nobody has to reach out. It's not your job. This isn't even my job. I got a full-time job and then this one and then a second job. Um, but it's kind of tough. So I'm throwing these challenges at myself. And I think that this new twist of Edward being like, I need to talk to you. I need to, to, uh, I need to tell you what the actual truth is. Now I have to figure out how to wrap it all up in a way that makes sense. So in this third final act, I've introduced now the idea that there's rumors in the underworld. There's rumors where the demons come from, wherever that is, that there's someone who can break these, these packs, these covenants. And somehow it hasn't been done before. Um, I think within the idea of the willing suspension of disbelief is the idea that we assume that in the limited times that this 
kind of pact or deal has been applicable because we don't know how many sex demons there are in the world, in this fictional world, but there can't be that many, or we would know about them. Maybe they've just never encountered a visibly outwardly queer person who is unashamedly ready to to be that queer person, and maybe there's just never been the unique mixture of a queer person who is not willing to give in to someone they find irresistible while simultaneously um, being selfless enough to realize that it's for a greater cause, which is the people that they care about and the next family, the next person down the line who makes that deal. I don't know. But I think it's interesting. Um, And I think it's going to be fun to figure out how I can tie all of that together along with Thomas, who's just trying to get Warren out because he feels bad and he doesn't want to do this. Um, So I guess we'll have to find out within the next few weeks if Edward is truly there to help or if he's just there to cause more chaos. Um, And I don't know yet. At first, I was 100% set on him just being there to cause chaos. And now I'm kind of softening towards him and I'm like, how will I resolve his story? But I also did that in my last story, in Drabble. I just, I created this character of Matt and I didn't like him at all. He was a bully. And then all of a sudden, this like one, two chapter character became a 10, 15 chapter character that ended up being in the last couple chapters and in the middle of the story and towards the beginning. So I guess we'll just see where it goes. But I'm going to cut it off here because otherwise I'm going to start feeling bad about myself and talking about how um, my emotions are feeling. But um, as always, I appreciate you listening or watching or however you're consuming content. Um, If anyone has watched the video version of this, let me know if I should even keep doing it because I feel like podcasts are an audio medium, right? And there's lots of recorded podcasts, but it feels like maybe... I'm, I don't want to say I'm wasting my time, but that maybe I am doing all this editing and stuff and it's not, it's just because my content doesn't fit into a video format. So if you could let me know, that would be great. Otherwise, I'll be back next week with more depression, um, shocker, but a new chapter. Um, the last chapter was called Lights. This one is called Camera. So we'll see what next week's chapter title is, but I appreciate you listening as always or watching or doing whatever you're doing and giving me your time. And uh, I'll be back next week with another chapter of the Floor Rejects podcast now. Let's see if I can click this little button and the camera shuts off. No. Let's try again. And, And then it shuts off. No. Okay. How about uh, now? No. Okay. Well, we'll just do it manually because I don't love myself. Thank you.